Welcome to the Thrive with Omu podcast, where each week I'll chat with an amazing entrepreneur on their growth journey. They'll be sharing this with us to help and encourage us to take that bold step. Hello guys, it's another Friday and I have with me this young man. Um, <laughs> you soon realize a young man with 12 grandchildren. <laughs> he's very young and he's going to tell us more about himself and his 12 grandchildren. Um, he's a men's life mentoring expert and you would agree with me that um, more than ever before, our young men actually need mentoring from the right sources. Thank you very much, Ian, for joining me today on my podcast. Um, tell us um, a lot more about yourself and how you got to um, mentoring men. Thanks, Omu, and, and thank you for calling me a young man. I haven't been called that for a long time, although I feel young. <laughs> I do feel I do feel young. So just my background, as you mentioned, uh, uh, I've got 12 uh, uh, grandkids. We've got uh, my wife and I have been married for 40 years and we have uh, four kids. And most of my working life was in the utilities industry in Australia and New Zealand. And we were poor early on, so I had a strong focus on trying to make money to support my family. So I had a full-time job and I'd also try and do other things on the side to try and make more money. At one point, when we first got married, we moved into a milk bar. I don't know what you call them over in, in Africa, but it's like a corner shop where you, you sell food and groceries and newspapers and things like that. Um, I used to import and sell squash rackets and tennis rackets, a whole bunch of different things trying to make more money. My wife would actually clean houses and work on a, a, her brother's farm uh, propagating plants. But gradually, I managed to work my way into more and more senior positions in, in the end. Uh, was quite well paid. Uh, we moved from uh, Melbourne in Australia over to Auckland in New Zealand and then up to Sydney in Australia where we live now. And then in 2013, um, I started to increasingly think there's more to life than just making money and delivering software changes. And then on the 10th of September 2013, I got on the train to come to my work and I continued reading a book that my youngest daughter, Adele, had given me. And when I turned the page, what I read that morning transformed thinking for my life. And in May 2014, I quit paid work. So that eight and a half years ago, uh, I commenced being a full-time volunteer, as well as looking after some grandkids along the way. My wife still works. She's a nurse at the local hospital. But I felt led to mentor young kids that are uh, in Sydney high schools. And then in do you addition to I, that. Do you, mind, do you mind if I interrupt you so that I don't Not at all. I mean, I'm curious. What did you read? Uh, I've got the book here. Now, I, I, want to, <laughs> I want to preface this by saying that all the things I'm going to talk about today, because there's, there's two charity organisations I've set up. They're all secular. We don't care what the background or beliefs of the people who engage in the programs are. So to say that, personally, I'm a Christian. The book I read that day uh, was a Christian book from an American pastor uh, called Sun Stand Still. The pastor's name is Steve Furtick. And I, I get asked this a lot. 
what was the, the words. And it actually, remember that I'd been meditating on more purpose and meaning for my life other than just making money. And he questioned the role of what Christians do. And what he said, we feel like we're doing our part as long as we live decent lives. Now, and I was ticking these off, I, apart from some parts of my childhood, which are probably not so decent, but uh, I ticked that one off. Stay out of trouble, tick. Pay taxes, tick. Have babies, clearly a tick. Make a living, tick. Buy a boat, I even had a boat. And then he said, hit age 59 and a half, collect retirement, die. So I read this on the 10th of September, 2013. I was born on the 10th of March, 1954. I was 59 and a half to the day I read that. <laughs> now, 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 why would an author, who retires at 59 and a half? I don't know. Um, in Australia, it'd be well, it used to be 60. And now it's 60. They keep increasing the age. And then that was the first of a whole bunch of messages, if you like, that I felt I received along this journey. That was the very first one, but it happened a few days later and then a whole bunch of events. So my view is that what I'm doing is the is the purpose for my life at this at this stage. And so that's so it's a long answer, but that's that's why I'm I, I'm doing this. So I started uh, sorry, you're gonna ask another question like Yes. When you read it what was the first thing that popped in your brain? But this is a message for me. I was excited. I got to work. And I've shared that story many, many times because I, I keep getting asked on it. And um, many people say, oh, Ian, it's just a coincidence. And that's fine. That's, I, I, that's their opinion. All I can say is these are the facts. This is what happened. And that in conjunction with another 10 things like that, that have progressed all the way through. Uh, that I, I, in my own belief system, is that this is this is a message for me, and it's a, a purpose for my life at this time. So I started. Uh, I guess one of the next things after that was meeting a woman. A few days later, my wife and I went out for a, a coffee at a local cafe, and my wife saw a couple on another table. She went over and chatted to them. When she came back, I said, oh, who was that? And she said, oh, that was the scripture teacher of my daughter, the one who gave me the book. So I, as I went past the table, I just said hello. And this woman just radiated kindness and love. And two things, important things came out of that conversation. She and her husband were supporting in Sydney a young mums group, basically teenage mums, generally unmarried, very difficult situation, and they would put on a brunch, breakfast, lunch for these these women, just free lunch, support them, love them, care for them, incredibly important support. But they couldn't keep up with the demand. They were turning young girls away. And I said, well, look, I've just had this message. I don't know what it is, but to do something else. So from that day, my wife and I agreed to fund another day for that young mums group. And that continued for several years afterwards. The Young Mums Group is still running. And the second thing this woman mentioned was a, a, a mentoring program running in Australia for high school kids. So at that point, I also, my wife and I decided we'd go and do the training for that mentoring program. And then that led to, to me starting mentoring high school kids. And 
So I was mentoring in high schools. I was mentoring in primary schools. And I was also a coordinator for a family mentoring program called Coach. And then in 2018, I was mentoring a young guy in one of the Sydney high schools. And in the, the first meeting I had with him, he shared with me that his father had suicided. His mum was an addict who was in and out of rehab. He was living with his grandparents, which he hated. And then he just looked at me. He looked me in the eyes and he started crying. And he said, wow. Ian, help me. Now, what can you do? What can you do? And later, I debriefed as part of this program. There's a program counsellor. And I debriefed with her looking for advice. And she said, Ian, are you okay? And I just started crying myself about the situation. Because in, in that program, uh, for, obviously for safety reasons, you can't interact with the, the, the mentees, we call them out of school. So it's only within the school program. Uh, this young guy was still going through major difficulty. And for a couple of months, I was flat. I didn't initially work out why. And then one Saturday morning, it occurred to me, I wanted to have a, a mentor. I wanted someone I could talk to, just like all these young people I've been mentoring. And I should clarify, mentoring such a broad term for most people in business it means someone with skills, experience, knowledge, who advises, guides, directs someone else. But that's not the mentoring I'm talking about. I call this life mentoring. And the vast majority of it is just listening. It's validating this person. It's sure that to lean on. Exactly. Supporting and encouraging. And it's amazing how often when you – get to the point where you trust someone enough to actually share what you're really feeling, particularly for men, and you know that they're actively listening to you, then it's incredibly therapeutic. Usually the answers to the situation become clear to yourself when you, when you can actually talk them out. And as part of our, um, our mentor training course, there's an amazing poem written by an American called Ray Horton uh, back in 1979. And the poem is called Just Listen. And I still don't, I, I would recommend everyone have a look at that. Just let's old fashioned English, but we need two ears, one mouth. We need to listen more. So, so I, I was flat. I realized I, I wanted to have someone that I could talk to. And I've been married for 40 years, but it's not, wasn't my wife. It's like she wears a different hat. So I wrote a proposal. Oh, sorry, I looked around for the nearest organization that, that was a free program where men support other men through a mentoring relationship. And there was nothing suitable. As a demographic in Australia, and I, I assume it's common across the Western world, men have a suicide rate three to four times that of women. The studies show that they struggle in so many different aspects. They struggle with vulnerability. They struggle around masculinity or a, a ridiculous view of masculinity. There should have been a program for me. So it motivated me. I, I wrote a proposal to establish a mentoring organization. And then, again, this is another one of the little miracles along the way. But about a week later, I was invited to a local community meeting where the federal government member 
had formed a partnership with an organization who support people in crisis. And what he wanted was members of everyone in his electorate of all the community groups to go and do a suicide prevention course that had been developed in there by this other partner. And he shared that. Yeah, I said that's very important, and the rate of suicide is, is getting alarming. And, yeah. um, and the sad parts, which I, I really can't understand, I was actually thinking about it this morning, is you with social media and all that, you hear a young man committed suicide today, and you see him post a picture of him dancing and looking very happy the day before or a few hours before looking very happy and vibrant and you start wondering what snapped what changed you know sometimes i'm tempted to ask are you sure it's really suicide you know? i think one of the issues that's causing increases suicide rate and increases in anxiety and depression is social media people put a very but biased I view they, they show the best themselves yeah it puts, um, people, it puts people under pressure and without re- realizing that um, it's not the real life. Like I say to people that fortunately, unfortunately, we all live two lives now, the real life and the social media life. And the social media life, like I always say, is not the real life. So, for instance, if you took um, pictures Instinctively, you look at the pictures and you choose the very best to put up on social media. Yeah. So everybody's yeah. exactly. And then with all these apps that, I mean, for the ladies, it can move us from a size 20 to a size zero. And <laughs> you know, it can give you a pointed nose. It can give you um, a, a long jaw. It can do anything. And um, then people get carried away without realizing that this really isn't the real life. And, you know, coupled with the stories you hear and, you know, it's, I really don't know how best it's going to be tackled. Yeah. Just the negative impact people putting, you know, here I am on this fantastic holiday. I'm eating this great meal and isn't life wonderful for me. Other people looking at that, assuming that that is, not a that that's a, a normal view of this person i mean it just makes them feel oh my life is terrible i don't have any of those things and it's a uh you know we we call often call facebook brag book because there's people putting uh, a false image up um i mean could i go back there's a point i want to make when this guy uh was promoting his suicide prevention program he talked about the suicide of his father at uh, 20 years ago and he Every day of his life, he was he he would reflect on that and how he missed the signs. So I, I approached him with this proposal to establish mentoring men, and he signed on as an ambassador. And he's been an amazing support. He got us into federal government to talk to a number of senior ministers. Uh, he's been promoting our program amongst the uh, the community, and that was it. Uh, so mentoring men started in two thousand and eighteen. Officially, only operates in Australia, but we've had thousands of men engage in the program, and it ramped up under COVID. It just the the take up just increased more and more. So there's 
it's definitely uh, meeting a need. I'd love to see the program expand around the world. I, so I look worldwide for suitable mentoring programs and I couldn't find anything that was free. Like our program is based on volunteers, volunteer men who we train up through our own mentor training course and through suicide prevention. And then we match them carefully with another another bloke, we call them in, in Australia, another man who may be going through life challenges like job loss, relationship breakdown, loneliness or isolation. And the, the relationship is long-term. We recommend a minimum of six months. So the trust develops. They, the, the, the mentees yeah. know it's confidential and then they start to open up and for the reasons you said we were talking oh, yeah. before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, that's a long journey. I'm sure that um, in the course of all this, and I mean, I'm looking at you, first of all, and you started by telling me how rich you were. I don't want to use the word poor. <laughs> how rich you were and how you had to have the little shop and all that. And this is just a case of we, we don't look like what we've been through. Because anyone looking yeah. at you would never know you've been through that. I mean, that's a great segue into my second passion project. Can I talk about that for a second? So Absolutely. we launched last. So, Absolutely. There's, so, so there's a bit of a backstory to this. I love reading people's stories. I love reading p stories of people who've been through adversity and overcome it. I found it inspiring. I read. I remember reading Nelson Mandela's story. And in the early 1990s, I thought of the power of storytelling and I came up with this idea to have people who've overcome adversity share their story in a book to give hope and inspiration to others. But at that time, I had low self-confidence. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the money. So I wrote to some three community leaders in Australia, letting them know about this idea, just hoping they would do something. And one of them, a well-known Australian entrepreneur called Dick Smith wrote back to me a handwritten note. He said, Ian, this is a great idea. And then he added, you do it. And uh, so for 30 years, it sat there. And I mentioned how mentoring men had, had grown to the point where late last year, we had sufficient donations and sponsorship. I could step aside and we could pay a team to run the organization. There's now a team of about 10 people. I'm still an ambassador for mentoring men. I'm not involved in the operational side of things. So I had a few months off just to reflect on life and uh, spend more time with grandkids. And then I thought back to this idea from 1993. And I thought, I'm going to do this. Uh, we've, we've, spill, we've got some money. Spill, 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 spill. What was the, what's the idea? Let's, let's hear okay. it. Spill. So, spill. Okay. So, <laughs> so the, the idea, it, back then was just through books, but of course, technology's changed. So the idea is to have conversations just like we're doing now. Only. We have conversations with people who've been through adversity, just through storytelling. Those conversations are edited and published as audio and video podcasts. And I've engaged an author who takes the transcript of those conversations and writes them up as stories. And about I did have a name for this. And about five months ago, a mate of mine contacted me. He said, Ian, I've got a great name for what you're doing. And he said, it's, it's, it's Kintsugi. 
I said, I've got no idea. In fact, it sounds African, but it's not. It's Japanese. No, it sounds <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know I, what African. It actually, it sounds like a Jap- It sounds like um, a Japanese um, food, like a delicacy. <laughs> well, the the legend goes that there was a, a Japanese emperor who had some valuable pottery. A lot more people than this, but and over time it got chipped and broken and cracked. And he said to his craftsmen, "Put it back together, so you can't see that it's it's ever been damaged." And they couldn't do it. But they said, what we can do is cover up all the cracks and put it back together using a precious metal like gold. So now when you look at the pottery, you can see it's been through a hard time, but it's now far more beautiful, far more valuable than what it was before. And the metaphor, what a beautiful metaphor you're not in, is the, the metaphor for yeah. humans. and the, the people who've gone through this adversity, how much more valuable are they to the, to the community around them? To themselves through their own lived experience, and it's and it's, it's called king king juice. Kintsugi. Uh, uh, kintsugi. Kintsugi. So K I N T. And so we call them kintsugi heroes. In fact, it, it would be great to have you as a kintsugi hero one day. So we. Yay, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. So we, so we launched the website last night, and so the plan was. Five or six months ago, because we're putting our money into this, and I, I'm conscious of the fact that my wife is now the breadwinner. And I thought, well, we'll capture a few stories. We'll issue some podcasts, and then we'll issue a book. But then how times change. <laughs> As I've learned, and I've the adversity stories, and I now want to have different themes. The very first one covered grief. But I've seen people talk about abuse they've experienced, physical disability mental disability, migrants and refugees, indigenous, um, and then powerful one around addiction. And I've learned so much from these stories. And I've expanded the objective originally was to give hope and inspiration, but it's also to give education. It's to give education to people like me who was – can I just share one story? So I connected with this guy who who wanted to be a hero, and it turned out that he and his wife couldn't have any children. And he set up this support group for 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 this, and that's why he wanted to talk to me. So he set up a support group. Now I didn't even think it was a thing. I mean, I'd never thought of how would a man react if he wasn't able to have children. I'd never, no, just yeah, yeah. And then he he shared with me for ten years. They went through IVF and then, but they had no success from it. And at the end of it, when he finished, I said, Can I ask you a question? He said, Sure. I said, Didn't you think about adoption or fostering? And I was, it was a Zoom call. I saw the impact this had on him. He said, Ian, you've got no idea how much of a trigger that is for people who've been through what I've been through. He said, I can handle yeah. it. I immediately apologized. He said, We put all of our emotional investment. Because there's these IVF, you pay for it. They, they put money, but their yeah. emotion, their hopes, yeah. 10 years. And they were gutted at the end of that. So my question was naive. But what I want to do through the, the podcast and or through Kintsugi Heroes is help educate people so we can better support someone who may be going through addiction or what this man was going through or any of those other things I mentioned, 
So I want to educate um, the Ians of the world to to be uh, that's better fantastic. better understand. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, I mean, I'm so moved by this. Usually, I just post the links um, when I'm um, I'm broadcasting the podcast. But I would like for you to share with anyone who's listening if they needed to get in touch with the men's mentoring team or the king, King Sugi. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, How best to get in touch? Okay. So for mentoring men, the best way is to go to the website, which is mentoringmen.org.au. So mentoringmen, all one word, .org.au, and, and just follow the prompts. It's, it's actually a very impressive website, so they can find out more information about the programs, about training, about uh, uh, get, being becoming a mentor or seeking a mentor. I just want to reinforce at the moment the program only operates in australia my goal is i'd love to see it operate worldwide but i'd be happy to talk to anyone overseas about the program kintsugi heroes our website is kintsugiheroes.com.au or they people would be welcome to send an email to me at which is ian at kintsugi heroes k-i-n-t-s-u-g-i Heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S dot com dot A-U. And I would love to hear from them. Uh, so we posted our uh, our first five podcasts last night. I just listened to one from a, a Dr. Tracy Potter in Hawaii, absolutely blown away. I've shared it with all my family and awesome. friends. I'm going to listen to it. I'm uh, going to yeah. listen to it, yeah. And there was another uh, four there. In fact, the very first one was a, a, a chat between myself and the, the podcast post uh just about what we're trying to do here but uh, awesome. um, it would be great to I'll, I'll talk to you after this conversation about awesome. recording awesome. your awesome. story yeah. awesome. but if so awesome. if people want to go and please listen to our podcast if you like them put some comments in and, and rate them and and share them all the resources are free i i saw just one last we did get a little bit of funding already um australia was decimated by bushfires and one of the areas in Victoria, which is a state of Australia, in the Alpine area, they wanted us to capture the stories of the men and women who were impacted oh. by the bushfires to help the community heal. And they've shown that the, the trauma lasts a lot longer than what people understand. And uh, uh, so really excited. That's the, like another one of these themes. That's, so, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you. It's been, we could go on and on and on. So I know that I'm getting you back on this podcast so you can tell us how far you've gone with King Sugin. Um, Beautiful. It was nice. Um, this was a nice time we've had today. Thank you so much. And guys, please get in touch with Ian if you're interested or if you want to know more about um, what he's doing. Don't forget to leave comments on our podcast or go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. I'm out. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Thrive with Omu podcast. This is your host, Omu Obilo.